I can almost certainly promise you that aside from the fat loss success you have with intermittent fasting, the main reason you're probably enjoying it so much is because you're controlling inflammation in your body during a fast. It's why we feel so good during a fast. When we don't have food coming in, a lot of our sensors that would normally elevate inflammation within the body just kind of go down. And it feels good to not be inflamed, so we want to keep doing it. Okay? However, when we break a fast, some things change because whenever we eat, we trigger inflammation, right? It's to a small degree or to a large degree depending on what we eat. Let me ask you this. After a fast, do you ever notice that you don't feel amazing? Sometimes after a fast, your joints hurt. I know mine do. Sometimes after a fast, you get brain fog. Sometimes after a fast, you feel bloated. You digestively feel messed up. Well, what's going on? Well, a large part of it could be attributed to the inflammation increase. So this video is about why inflammation increases so much after a fast and what you can do to potentially mitigate some of that. So let's go ahead and let's dive right in. But first, please do hit that red subscribe button. We've got so much intermittent fasting content. This is the ultimate intermittent fasting channel. Please hit that little bell icon so you can turn on notifications and never miss our daily videos. Also, uh, after this video, I do highly recommend that you check out Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is perfect if you're someone that maybe travels frequently and maybe you're struggling to eat super good when you're on the road or maybe you just don't have a bunch of energy or maybe you're seeking some improvement in athletic performance. It's 100% keto and paleo friendly, totally vegan and gluten free, no artificial colors, no sweeteners, no chemicals, preservatives, anything like that. Also, if you click my link down below, you'll get a free one year supply of Athletic Greens Wellness and Immunity Bundle with your first purchase. So make sure you check them out down below in the description. Super awesome greens powder. It's definitely my go-to when it comes to a greens powder. So I wanna start off with a study that was published in the journal Nutrition Biochemistry, okay? This study took a look at a 48-hour fast and different macronutrient ratios, carbohydrate ratios, protein, fats, after fast, and how that affected inflammation. So they took a look at three groups, okay? They had uh, one group consumed a standard diet with 60% carbohydrates, another group consumed what they called a low-carbohydrate diet, which really wasn't that low, with 38% carbohydrates, and then another group consumed 100% carbohydrates after a fast. Well, they found the group that had 100% carbohydrates after their fast ended up having a large increase in pro-inflammatory mediators, okay? Higher than the standard group and higher than the low-carb group. That's not to say that carbohydrates are bad. That's not what I'm getting at. Okay, we're gonna break this down more. What this means is that after a fast, glucose seems to activate something called toll-like receptors. Now, toll-like receptors, just like the name implies, are like little toll booths, and they sense when pathogens or things that shouldn't be there are there. They're a toll booth, toll-like receptors. So glucose seems to activate them more. And when we have pure glucose after a fast, we activate those toll-like receptors more. Now, hear me out on this, it's gonna make more sense in a second. So that tells us that yes, after a fast, we should do what we can to limit glucose. And if, honestly, you watch a lot of my other videos, I largely say, whenever possible, just have lean protein. So you want a quick shortcut, have lean protein, but you should hear the rest of this video, okay? So if glucose triggers an issue there, let's break it down a little bit more. Okay, there's a follow-up study that was published in the journal Nutrition. It took a look at the end of a 48-hour fast and gave mice subjects either glucose or fructose. So still carbohydrates, but this time broken down into fructose from fruit or pure glucose. Okay, interestingly enough, they found that glucose triggered more activation of the toll-like receptors and ultimately more inflammation than fructose. Whoa, okay, that flies in the face of the stuff that I normally talk about because normally in my videos, I'm bashing fructose, saying not to eat fructose. So hear me out. 
I'm not suggesting you load up on fructose. What I'm suggesting here is that for whatever reason, glucose triggers a little bit more inflammation than fructose does. That doesn't mean that fructose gives you a benefit. So the point is, if you feel like you absolutely need a carbohydrate at the end of your fast, like you're gonna go crazy if you don't have a carbohydrate, have a little bit of an apple or a little bit of fruit. Okay, it's not gonna kill you, but it is still not gonna do a whole lot because fructose can still get converted into fat much easier. Story for a different day. Let me give you an analogy so this all makes sense. You've got that toll booth that I talked about. Okay, that toll booth. And at the end of a fast, um, the guy that's inside the toll booth is asleep. Okay, inflammation's low, he's not, and he has uh, pathogens that drive by. And he might wake up for one or two of them and be like, oh shoot, there's a pathogen. Sound the alarm, trigger some inflammation. He violated the toll. Okay, but if you have glucose after a fast, you're feeding the guy in the toll booth. So all of a sudden, all the guys that are in the toll booth are awake. All those different toll booths are now activated and they're catching every single pathogen that goes by. The toll-like receptors are activated, therefore inflammation goes up a lot quicker and a lot easier. Less glucose, less toll booth people, toll booth workers awake or working. Now when we come back to the fruit for a minute, a lot of people think that they should just be having fruit after a fast to get their nutrients in or veggies. You really need to keep raw foods, raw fruits, raw veggies out of the equation. Not only is it hard on the gut, but again, you're getting the carbohydrates, you're getting the fructose, and you're getting, once again, things that are gonna break down the gut and potentially cause issues later on down the line. I'll touch more on that later. There's other ways to get that stuff in if you want. I do recommend, check out Athletic Greens. I don't necessarily recommend breaking a fast with Athletic Greens, but having it a little bit later after your fast might work out really well to get a big surge of greens and kind of the vitamins and minerals that you would be getting from your fruits and veggies without having that same negative impact on your body. They're a big supporter of this channel, so there's a special link down below if you want to check them out. I usually utilize it not with my breaking a fast meal, but one or two meals after that, just to make sure I'm getting a good abundance of vitamins and minerals in, since I'm not getting all my veggies in. Anyhow, that's neither here nor there, but do check them out down below in the description. Special link for anyone that watches my channel or is a fan of mine. They're a big supporter of this channel, so thank you, Athletic Greens. Now let's keep on moving and talk a little bit about something called the NLRP3 inflammasome, and this is very, very important stuff. The NLRP3 inflammasome is a big regulator of inflammation within the body, and it's usually governed by nutrient availability. Okay, the more food that we have in the system, the higher our NLRP3 inflammasome is. If we're fasting, our NLRP3 inflammasome is lower. So it's largely known in the scientific community that fasting reduces inflammation via the NLRP3 inflammasome. Okay, well, what am I getting at? Well, there's an interesting study that found that three hours after a fast, NLRP3 inflammasome levels were 2.5x higher than they were during the fast. That kind of goes without saying, because if we're not eating, we're not triggering inflammation. But if you've ever wondered why the contrast feels so stark after a fast with how you feel, that's probably why. If you were to suddenly blink and your inflammatory markers in your body were 2.5x higher than they are right now, you'd feel it. So yes, you're going to feel cruddier after a fast than you feel during a fast. But researchers wanted to take it one step further. They said, okay, we know that inflammation increases after a fast, but what if we add lipopolysaccharides into the mix? Lipopolysaccharides are things that are usually in our, contained in our, uh, our digestive system, but through leaky gut and poor diet, they leak into the bloodstream and generally trigger more inflammation. So these researchers said, okay, inflammation's already elevated 2.5x. Let's go ahead and let's add lipopolysaccharides into the mix to see what that does. On top of the 2.5x increase that occurred naturally, 
the lipopolysaccharides induced a two-fold increase in specific interleukins, particularly interleukin-18. And why does this matter? Joint pain. Interleukin-18 is largely associated with joint pain, arthritis, things like that. So after a fast, I have honestly noticed that I have joint pain. Okay, maybe it's from years of being 280 pounds and it comes back to bite me in the butt when I'm breaking a fast. The point is, is how do we reduce lipopolysaccharides? Because if we can break our fast and not have lipopolysaccharides come into the bloodstream, then we can at least keep inflammation at bay a little bit more and maybe not have the joint pain and the severe lethargy that comes with it. So let's go down this rabbit hole and have some fun. Now we move into breaking the fast and avoiding lipopolysaccharides, okay? First things first, we already talked about avoiding carbohydrates, but if you do have carbohydrates, at least avoid gluten and at least avoid heavy concentrated grains like pure rice or pure brown rice in amounts more than 15 grams of carbohydrates. Okay, let's leave that one on the table and let's move over to fats for a second because now you're probably wondering, okay, I can't have grains or can't have carbs, but can I have fats? Well, here's an interesting study. Published in Health and Disease, they found that if you had saturated fat of more than like 60%, so we're looking at like coconut oil, palm oil, it largely increased the amount of lipopolysaccharides coming into the bloodstream. Oh my gosh, Thomas, can I eat anything? That's probably what you're thinking. You're telling me I can't eat this? Listen, saturated fats are not bad. I'm not saying that. But after a fast, we're sensitive. And if we can look at this research and we can see, oh, we shouldn't have saturated fats right when we break a fast, that can help us, okay? So saturated fats, for whatever reason, allow lipopolysaccharides to get into the bloodstream, which could trigger more inflammation. Does it mean that it does that all the time? Not necessarily. Okay, omega-6s, largely known as inflammatory fats, believe it or not, do not affect lipopolysaccharides getting into the bloodstream. Does that mean you should go guzzle some soybean oil and a bunch of walnut oil right when you break a fast? No, because it still activates inflammation throughout other pathways. It's still a naughty oil. It's still a no-no, okay? So keep that out of the diet. Interestingly enough, omega-3s suppress the amount of lipopolysaccharides getting into the bloodstream. So putting it all together, having some lean protein, lean protein, maybe like a lean fish that has omega-3s in it, that way you're getting the protein without the carbohydrates, but you're also getting the omega-3s that suppress the lipopolysaccharides from getting into the bloodstream. You have an essentially anti-inflammatory source of protein that doesn't have carbohydrates in it and doesn't have much saturated fat. There's a fun little additive you can do too, because this is just fun fact. A study that was published in the journal Inflammation found something known as oleanolic acid, which is in olive oil, actually stops or reduces the lipopolysaccharide-induced gut barrier disruption. So what that simply means is it prevents the gut from breaking down more, prevents less lipopolysaccharides from getting into the bloodstream, okay? So maybe a little bit of salmon with just a tiny bit of olive oil and some, I don't know, oregano or something drizzled on top, right? Super simple. One more very important thing that I wanna talk about in the world of green tea after a fast. Okay, green tea during a fast, great. Green tea before a fast, super awesome. But after, this is pretty cool. The Journal Nutrition published a study, demonstrated that during a fast, mice would have uh, atrophy of what's called their villi. Now, the villi is inside your gut, and it is what allows you to absorb nutrients with more surface area. So visualize this, here's my villi inside my gut. I have more surface area because I have these little fingers that stick out inside my intestinal tract, little like things like that. Well, if they atrophy, then they're shorter, they're smaller. That's less surface area, so less potential nutrient absorption. During a fast, we have atrophy of this villi. Turns out that supplementation of green tea for seven days after a fast in these mice allowed that villi to restore rapidly and come back. 
But even better yet, green tea worked as a pretreatment prior to a fast to prevent the breakdown of the VI from happening in the first place. So green tea is great after a fast to help restore it from the antioxidant effect, but then whatever reason, the antioxidants or whatever it is in the green tea, you don't really know, prevents the atrophy, prevents that breakdown of the VI in the first place. I'm gonna get scientific for just a second. Stick with me, don't worry, I'll come right back. Okay, vitamin E seemed to have a similar effect. So we know it's antioxidant related. But we don't ever want to take vitamin E during a fast or even right after a fast because it halts something known as PGC1A. PGC1A is something that occurs within our body, something that's produced within our body, and it allows proper mitochondrial biogenesis to occur. It allows the mitochondria to develop and allows us to develop sort of endogenous antioxidant activity or endogenous antioxidants rather. What that means is that if we stop PGC1A, we don't really gain the advantage of our body becoming more resilient from a fast. So we don't want to be taking vitamin E because for whatever reason it stops that PGC1A. Green tea does not. So green tea prior to, during, and after a fast helps protect that villi, restore the growth of it, but then a follow-up research shows that it helps activate something known as superoxide dismutase and GPX, which helps restore rapid intestinal growth. So rapid intestinal membrane helps that growth, helps support it. So maybe we won't have as much of a lipopolysaccharide issue in the first place. What the heck? This was so much stuff. Let me summarize really quick, okay? Lean protein with omega-3s with a little bit of olive oil. Avoid pure glucose when you can. If you need a little bit of fruit, have a little bit of fruit, but no more than like 10 grams of carbohydrates from fruit, okay? Avoid the saturated fats, okay? Avoid the omega-6 fats, okay? Drink green tea prior to, during, and after your fast. And when it comes down to getting your nutrients, use a green drink or something like that, like Athletic Greens, like I mentioned. As always, keep it locked in here on my channel, and I'll see you tomorrow.